Section 1 Commentary on the Gospel of John Book 8 This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Commentary on the Gospel of John Book 8 by Cyril of Alexandria Translated by Rev. Thomas Randall The Fragments Which Are Extant of Book 8 Section 1 Chapter twelve three Mary therefore took a pound of ointment of spikenard, very precious, and anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. While Martha was serving, Mary anointed the Lord with ointment, thus accomplishing her love towards him, and by the actions of both the measure of love was filled up and made perfect. Four, five, six, seven, eight. Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, which should betray him, saith, Why was not this ointment sold for three hundred pence, and given to the poor? Now this he said, not because he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the bag, and took away what was put therein. Jesus therefore said, Let her alone. Against the day of my burying hath she kept this, for the poor ye have always with you, but me ye have not always. The traitor rebukes the woman who had shown her devotion towards Christ, and attacks the admirable deed, and affects to blame it out of love towards the poor, because ointment was brought and not money. But it was out of ignorance as to what is really excellent that Judas said this. For the bringing of presents unto God ought to be honored more than the poor. The evangelist, however, sets forth the reason, on account of which Judas said this. It was not that he felt any concern for the poor, but because he was a thief, and a sacrilegious person, stealing the money which was dedicated to God. And the Lord also makes it clear that the woman was free from any blame, whereby he covertly rebukes the traitor, not in his good judgment finding fault with things that were worthy of praise, but saying, Let her alone. And he said in defense of the anointing with the ointment, that it had been done not out of luxuriousness, but because of a certain mystery which had reference to his burying, although she who did it was unaware of the design of the mystery. For many things have been both said and done with reference to a mystical type, when they who spoke and acted were unaware of it. Yet here again the Lord rebukes Judas, because he said this not out of piety, but because he was greedy of base gain, and was going for a little gain to betray his master. For the burying and the allusion thus made to his death indicate this plainly. And the Lord also brings forward an argument which convinces us that nothing is better than devotion towards him. For, he says, love for the poor is very praiseworthy only let it be put after veneration of god and what he says amounts to this the time he says which has been appointed for my being honoured that is to say the time of my sojourn on earth does not require that the poor should be honoured before me and this he said with reference to the incarnation he does not, however, in any way forbid the sympathetic person to exercise his love towards the poor, 
therefore when there is need of service or of singing these must be honoured before love towards the poor for it is possible to do good after the spiritual services are over he says therefore that it is not necessary always without intermission to devote our time to honouring himself or to spend everything upon the priestly service but to lay out the greatest part upon the poor or thus as he bids his disciples to fast after he had ascended to the father so also he says that then they may more freely give attention to the care of the poor and exercise their love for the poor with less disturbance and more leisure which indeed was the case for after the ascension of the saviour when they were no longer following their master on his journeys but had leisure then they eagerly spent all the offerings that were brought to them upon the poor nine a great multitude therefore of the jews learned that he was there and they came not for jesus sake only but that they might see lazarus also whom he had raised from the dead through the strangeness of the sign the multitude are astonished and that which they heard to have been done they wished also to behold with their eyes that they might believe it more confidently and they not only wished to see lazarus but also the christ the doer of the sign not then seeing him for the first time for they had often seen him and companied with him but inasmuch as he had gone into retirement that he might not suffer before the proper time they were seeking again to see him and the more reasonable among them even admired him as they recognized no fault in him with a settled purpose therefore the lord did not immediately enter into jerusalem but remained outside in order that by the report which would reach the city he might draw the common people to a desire of wishing to see him ten eleven but the chief priest took counsel that they might put lazarus also to death because that by reason of him many of the jews went away and believed on jesus see now how frantic the rulers seem to become wildly rushing hither and thither under the influence of their envy and saying nothing coherently they seriously meditate murder upon murder thinking to remove the force of the miraculous deed at the same time with their victim that they might stop the people running to believe christ twelve thirteen on the morrow a great multitude that had come to the feast when they heard that jesus was coming to jerusalem took the branches of the palm trees and went forth to meet him and cried out saying hosanna blessed is the king of israel that cometh in the name of the lord the multitudes being more obedient and yielding to the effect of the sign went to meet the christ hymning him as one who had conquered death and carrying palm branches and they do not praise him with ordinary language but quote from the inspired scripture that which was beautifully spoken with regard to him confessing that he was indeed king of israel whom also they called specially their own king accepting the lordship of the christ and the son they say is blessed not because he who blesseth all things and guards them from destruction 
and who is of the ineffable essence of the father receives the blessing which comes from the father but because the blessing which is due to one who is god and lord by nature is offered to him from us inasmuch as he came in the name of the lord for all the saints did not come with the authority of lordship but as trusted servants this one on the contrary as lord wherefore the prophetic language was quoted very suitably with regard to him for indeed some are called lords who are not such by nature but have the honourable name granted to them by favour as also to take another case men are called true when they abstain from falsehood but this was not the thing to say with regard to christ for he is not called truth for the reason that he does not speak falsely but because he has that nature which is altogether superior to falsehood fourteen fifteen and jesus having found a young ass sat thereon as it is written fear not daughter of zion behold thy king cometh unto thee sitting on an ass's colt for when a great multitude were escorting him like a bodyguard and shouting his praises with the most perfect self-restraint he seated himself upon an ass teaching us not to be lifted up by praises and omitting no necessary thing matthew therefore related at greater length the circumstances concerning the ass but john comes at once to the point of the affair that was most suited to the occasion as it is his custom to do and since contrary to his usual habits on this occasion only christ appears seated on an ass we do not say that he so sat for the reason that it was a long distance to the city for it was not more than fifteen furlongs off nor because there was a multitude for it is certain that on other occasions when he was found with a multitude he did not do this but he does so to indicate that he is about to make subject to himself as a new people the unclean among the gentiles and to lead them up to the prerogative of righteousness and to the jerusalem above of which the earthly is a type into which this people being made clean shall enter with christ who will be hymned by the guileless angels of whom the babes are a type and he calls the ass a colt because the people of the gentiles had been untrained to the piety which faith produces sixteen and his disciples understood not these things at the first but when jesus was glorified then remembered they that these things were written of him and that they had done these things unto him at first therefore they were ignorant that these words had been written with regard to him but after the resurrection they did not continue to suffer from the jewish blindness but the knowledge of the divine words was revealed to them through the spirit and then was the christ glorified when after being crucified he came to life again and the evangelist does not blush to mention the ignorance of the disciples and again their knowledge since his object was to take no heed of respect for men but to plead for the glory of the spirit 
and to show what sort of men the disciples were before the resurrection and what sort of men they became after the resurrection if therefore these disciples were ignorant how much more were the other jews and after he was crucified the veil was rent in order that we may know that nothing any longer remains hidden and concealed from the faithful and godly they were enlightened therefore with knowledge from the time of the resurrection when the christ breathed into their face and they became different from the rest of men and to a still greater extent they were enlightened on the day of pentecost when they were transformed into the power of the holy spirit who came upon them seventeen eighteen the multitude therefore that was with him when he called lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead bear witness for this cause also the multitude went and met him for that they heard that he had done this sign the gathering of the common people having heard what had happened were readily persuaded by those who bear witness that the christ had raised lazarus to life and annulled the power of death as the prophet said for this cause also they went and met him nineteen the pharisees therefore said among themselves do ye see how ye prevail nothing lo the whole world is gone after him this they say finding fault with themselves that they had not long ago put jesus and lazarus also to death urging themselves to murder being angry concerning the believing multitude as though deprived of their special possessions those which really belong to god twenty now there were certain greeks among those that went up to worship at the feast any one might be perplexed at these words and wonder with what motive certain of the greeks should be going up to jerusalem to worship and this at the time when the feast was being celebrated according to the law for surely no one will say that they went up merely to look at the people there certainly it was with the intention of participating in the feast which was suitable for jews and jews only that they were journeying up in the company of the jews what was the point as regards the motive of worship that was common to both greeks and jews and indeed we shall find that the habit and inclination of the two differed very widely for the one honoured the truth whereas the other honoured what was false what shall we say then with regard to these words as the territory of the jews was situated near that of the galileans and as both they and the greeks had cities and villages in close vicinity to each other they were continually intermingling together and interchanging visits invited thereto by a variety of occasions and since it somehow happens that the disposition of idol-worshippers is very easily brought to welcome a change for the better and inasmuch as nothing is easier than to convict their false worship of being utterly unprofitable some among them were easily persuaded to change not yet indeed in full perfection to worship him who alone is truly god being somewhat divided with regard to the arguments in favour of abandoning idolatry and following the precepts of their own teachers i mean 
plato and those who are called the wise men of his school for they say that one god is the creator of all things and that the rest are included within the universe and have been elected by him as directors for the administration of human affairs it was then a custom for certain of the inhabitants of palestine especially the greeks who had the territory of the jews closely adjoining and bordering on their own to be impressed in some way by the jewish habits of thought and to honour the name of one sovereign deity and this was the view current among those greeks whom we just now mentioned albeit they did not express it in the same way that we do and they not having the tendency to judaism in full force nor even having separated themselves from the habits dear to the greeks but holding an intermediate opinion which inclined both ways are called worshippers of god people of this kind therefore seeing that their own habits of thought were not very sharply distinguished from those of the jews as regarded sacrificial rites and the conception of a sovereign ruler for the israelites did not previously know the doctrine of the holy and consubstantial trinity nor even the true force of their spiritual worship they were in the habit of going up with the jews to worship especially at the national gatherings not meaning to slight their own religion but as an act of honour to the one all-supreme god twenty one twenty two these therefore came to philip which was of bethsaida of galilee and asked him saying sir we would see jesus philip cometh and telleth andrew andrew cometh and philip and they tell jesus even though they knew it not the pharisees were telling the truth when they said behold the whole world is gone after him for not jews only but gentiles as well were destined to accept the faith wherefore also the application of the greeks happened at that time as a sort of first-fruits and to philip as being himself a galilean the galilean greeks came asking him to show them jesus whom they wished to see as they were continually hearing him well spoken of that they might worship him and attain the object of their desires but philip remembering that the lord said unto them go not into any way of the gentiles and enter not into any city of the samaritans is afraid lest by any means he should seem to give offence by bringing to christ those who had not believed not knowing that it was of set purpose that the lord had forbidden the disciples to approach the gentiles until the jews should first have rejected the grace given to them and so philip tells andrew he being more disposed for and accustomed to such things and then with his approval they both carried the message to the lord and by his wise conduct philip teaches us that it is not well to speak in a careless fashion to those who are above us even though the matter seem to be a right and proper one but rather to take counsel with wise friends as to what ought to be done twenty three and jesus answered them saying the hour is come that the son of man should be glorified seeing therefore that gentiles are hastening in eager desire to see him and to turn towards him on this account he says 
the hour is come for near at hand was the time of his passion after which the calling of the gentiles immediately followed and he calls the time now present the hour with the intention of showing that no other occasion can bring him to the necessity of suffering save only this season marked out by his own appointed limitations for having done all things that were to lead men on to faith and having preached the word of the kingdom of heaven he now desires to pass onward to the very crowning point of his hope namely to the destruction of death and this could not otherwise be brought to pass unless the life underwent death for the sake of all men so that in him we all may live for on this account also he speaks of himself as glorified in his death and in suffering terrible things at the hands of the sinners who dishonor him even though by the angels in heaven he had been glorified from everlasting yet nevertheless his cross was the beginning of his being glorified upon earth by the gentiles as god for after he had left to themselves the jews who openly despised him he turned to the gentiles and is glorified by them as god being confidently expected to come again in the glory of the father and he declares not merely that the word shall then be glorified but showing that he who is ineffably to be regarded as sharing in humanity no less than deity is one only son he uses the title son of man for he is one son and one christ capable since his incarnation of no separation of nature but ever remaining and ever regarded as god although clothed in flesh End of section one